Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got ground. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry County Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Normally, I start this black and blue report with the question of how goes it? Just kind of a crutch, I guess, or just maybe it is my general interest in you, but I have a feeling after yesterday's Saints-Falcons game, I have a feeling I know how it goes, especially based on the way traffic was this morning and the behavior of my fellow New Orleans drivers. Uh, you know, when I first moved here years ago, they told me that uh, I could completely miss the Sunday Saints game and be able to tell the results by the way that people behaved in traffic or even getting on and off the elevator at the big office buildings here in New Orleans uh, based on how things went with the Saints on Sunday. So with that being said, how are you, I guess? Not how it goes, but uh, greetings from Studio B in New Orleans. This is the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. And, yeah, as you know, the Saints fell yesterday in overtime at Atlanta, 37-34. to We'll certainly talk about the game with John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com. We'll talk about all the goings-on in the NFL with Steve White from the NFL Network, and I'll share some of the uh, sound that I gathered from the Saints postgame locker room yesterday following that loss in the Georgia Dome. Tell you what, they're always close. They're always close, and the uh, Falcons just got the better end of it. And let's just call it like we see it. Matt Ryan had the day of his life yesterday, quarterback in the Atlanta Falcons. So tip of the cap to him. There are certainly plenty of things to pick apart and look at and overanalyze and overreact to, but uh, Ryan was fantastic for Atlanta. I thought Drew was pretty darn good for New Orleans, too. There are some positives to talk about. And we'll see what the takeaways are here today and tomorrow before we turn our attention to Week 2 and the Cleveland Browns. So, tough one to swallow there. Uh, Otherwise, I hope you had a great weekend. We've got a good show for you here on this Monday, and uh, we don't want to waste a whole lot of time in getting to our guests. So, we'll take our first time out and bring in John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com right after this. Gatorade knows every victory starts from within. It's the determination to come up big when it matters most. But no athlete does it alone. They need training and fuel to perform. That's how greatness comes from within. Win from within. 
Game on with NFL Ticket Exchange, the only official ticket exchange of the NFL, where 100% of tickets are verified by Ticketmaster. Buy and sell the NFL-approved way. Visit NFLTicketExchange.com. Together, we make football. Pelicans head coach Monty Williams, Anthony Davis, and your Pelicans have been working throughout the offseason to take this team to the next level. Individual game tickets for the 2014-15 season go on sale to the public this Wednesday at 8 a.m., but you can have exclusive advanced access to the biggest matchups before anyone else. Visit pelicans.com today to sign up for Pelicans Insider and receive a pre-sale password to score tickets before they run out. Take flight with your Pelicans today. John DeShazer in the other chair now here in Studio B as we continue on the Black and Blue Report. I didn't, I didn't think, J.D., we'd be talking about a Saints loss here on this Monday, but we are. Overtime loss yesterday to the Falcons, 37-34. Um, the locker room this morning for the Saints, how would you gauge the temperature here a day removed? Well, a lot of it was still not subdued, but, I mean, a little downcast. But, I mean, I think the, I think the guys kind of looked at it you know, they're, they're trying to look at it as glass half full. Now, obviously, you've got to see the, the half empty side. You've got to see that, you know, that's the second most yards allowed in franchise history. And uh, offensively, even though they scored 34, there were points left on the field. And, you know, admittedly, everyone says that. So, you know, there's enthusiasm. And yet you look at the, the mistakes and you figure, you know, okay, from those guys' perspective, they're saying, okay, if, we, if we'd have done this one thing right or if we'd have done this one thing better, you know, as opposed to, talking about a loss, you know, you, you you don't mind talking about a win if you give up 500 yards. I mean, you kind of temper it with saying, oh, well, at least we won the game. Yeah. But when you give up 500 and you don't win, now everything, you know, there, there are sirens blaring all around and, and you, you know, you can't ignore them because, you know, a lot of them are coming from inside your head because you're figuring, okay, what is it that we did wrong? All right, so when you when you think about the way things didn't go well for the defense yesterday, give me, give me a, a grocery list here of things that stick out to you. Well, the main thing is, you know, the uh, the lack of quarterback pressure, or at least getting Matt Ryan on the ground. You got to sack him, you got to hit him, you got to unnerve him, and that didn't happen nearly enough. Um, you know, you talk to any defensive lineman, and they say, you know, and and the guys up front took 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 blame for it. I mean, Junior Gillette basically said, look, we rushed four. They put a lot of faith in us to get to the quarterback. We let down the back end because you can only cover so long in the NFL. I don't care who you are. You can only cover a receiver for so long. So that's the main thing that stands out. One, you don't get the pass rush. And two, there was a distinct, you know, lack or inability or whatever you want to call it to tackle. They Mm -hmm. didn't tackle well. And so those two things really stand out because you got to mitigate your circumstances. You know, Anton Smith doesn't go 50-plus yards with a little swing pass for a touchdown if someone tackles him. Maybe it's eight yards, maybe it's six, maybe it's 15, but he doesn't go 50-plus to the house. So you got to be able to get guys on the ground. Matt Ryan, 448 yards, three touchdowns yesterday on that Atlanta side. And as you mentioned, it's hard to cover anybody, let alone that receiving core that they have over Atlanta when things go that way. Offensively, though, for the Saints, and again, like remember you just said a moment ago, you know, if you give up 500 yards defensively and you win the game, you still won the game. Here you lose the game, and yet you're looking at 34 points by the Saints. And Drew Brees is saying after the game that we probably need to score more. I understand what Drew's doing by making that statement in that moment and everything else. That's a great team player and great team leader comment. But at the same time, there's not a whole lot to sneeze about 
when you talk about the Saints offense yesterday. Well, but you're talking about guys who are perfectionists, so he's going to say that kind of thing. And it's a great thing for your defense to hear. You know, your okay. defensive guys, are, you know, welcome hearing that, even though, you know, they take a lot of the blame and, and, they, and they feel like they let the team down. But they, they hear that and they take it to heart saying, look, our quarterback pretty much fell on the sword for us. Now, in, in, you know, 34 points is a lot of points, but you do look at it and say, okay, there was three to be had, perhaps seven with the end zone interception. There were a couple of field goals early, one of which uh, was uh, followed, you know, it followed a, a long pass to Joe Morgan in the end zone where, you know, if it's another foot, maybe that's seven instead of three. So Drew Brees is looking at those. And, in fact, Zach Streif was talking in the locker room this morning. He was saying, look, there was no reason for us to have a three and out in that fourth quarter against that team the way we were playing and we had a three and out and you can't afford it in a game like that where they're scoring every time you got to match them every time and he's he's kind of right so you know the offensive guys kind of look at it as we want to score every time the defensive guys are supposed to look at it as we want to get a stop every time and certainly the offense when they put up 34 it's just great to hear Drew Brees say look that was one of those games where it got out of hand it was going to be a shootout and we needed to score more a point of emphasis was the running game during training camp. Let's stay on the offensive side of the football for a moment. Five yards per carry, 139 yards total rushing for the Saints offense yesterday. Is this a carryover from what we saw in the preseason? Is this an improved rushing attack? Just, again, I know it's based on one game, but let's just take yesterday. Good enough in that category? Oh, I think very yep. much so. And, I mean, I think because, uh, you know, you've seen some Saints teams in the past where if Atlanta's scoring that way in the second half and they take the lead, the Saints might get away from the running game. But they stayed with it throughout. And Mark Ingram and Kyrie Robinson, even if you subtract the 18-yard reverse by Brandon Cooks mm -hmm. and the run from Drew Brees, they still did a great job in terms of running the football. So you look at that, and it's, it's nothing but positive because not only did they get a good per yard um, a per yard good average but also they stayed with it and that's what you want to see from the Saints because there are going to be some games where you know there might be bottled up a little bit in the passing game where that running game is going to kind of have to churn it down and that's part of that developing that four minute offense that coach Sean Payton talks about where you finish out games. Speaking of finishing out games and I hate hate carrying things over from one year to the next but one of the things that was talked about going into this game was if the Saints were to be better on the road as opposed to the problems they had last year, they would have to be able to finish. Now, I'm thinking back to not only the end of, the, of regulation yesterday, but the end of the first half as well. And I know this it's kind of piling on the defense a little bit here, but allowing Atlanta to kick that field goal at the end of the first half and then the way the game finished in regulation, that, that to me has to be talked about as far as carryover in this wanting to have better success on the road well of course it does I mean when you're talking about finish it, finishing out it's not just finishing out with the four-minute offense you have to have a defense that's got to be able to get off the field at that point in the game and unfortunately Saints didn't do it you know yesterday they didn't do it last year you remember the New England game and uh, didn't do it last year you remember the the Carolina game and so yeah until you do it is going to be talked about. So, you know, the road record last year is 3-5. and five. The Saints have had success on the road before last season under Sean Payton. But you remember the 3-5, and five, and until you reverse it, people are going to talk about the 3-5. and five. So until you get those stops, until you finish out the game, people are going to say, okay, you hadn't finished out the game. Happy overreaction Monday, my friend. That's what it is. This man. is That's the tradition, you, isn't it? You roll the first with it. week, yes. You roll with it. It's all blue skies if you win, and it's all down the toilet if you don't. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. More travel this week on the road at Cleveland. We'll talk more about it as the week goes on. Thanks for coming by, my friend. Anytime. John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com with a little breakdown.
Falcons from his angle of yesterday's loss at Atlanta. We'll look around the league with Steve White from the NFL Network in just a moment. Still to come also, post-game reaction from the Saints locker room yesterday at the Georgia Dome. Stay with us. Fans cheer on your Pelicans as they play their final preseason game against the Dallas Mavericks at the CenturyLink Center in Bossier City on Thursday, October 23rd. Prices start at just $9 from www.ticketmaster.com. While in town, enjoy the opening weekend of the State Fair of Louisiana, our numerous casinos, including the world-famous Horseshoe Casino, and hotel. Check out hotel packages for the game and other things to do at shreveport bossierorg or call 888-45-VISIT. Lotto is all across Louisiana with cash jackpot starting at $250,000. That's a whole lot of cash. From the neon lights of Shreveport, Bossier City to the banks of Grand Isle, Lotto is your game. It doesn't leave the state and there's nothing like it anywhere else. It's Louisiana fun just for Louisiana. Lotto, it's a whole lot of cash. Must be at least 21 to purchase. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. You know, a lot of times we're teasing uh, and saying that uh, much like uh, college football programs and all that, we have our own friends of the program here. And then we even kind of break it down as to, you know, which guests are tier one status and tier two and all that. Well, Steve Weich from NFL Networks, he's a not only is he a friend of the program, but he's he's tier one status. And so uh, we're great. We're, we're very grateful to have him on Mondays and talk about things around the NFL. Hello, Steve. Hello, tier one guest. <laughs> That was quite that was quite the introduction. Thank you very much. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Well, it's finally here. The regular season is underway. There are two more games to be played tonight, but the bulk of it is now uh, in the books. And I know that you were at Dallas and uh, San Francisco yesterday. More on that in a moment. But let's I guess let's start at thirty thousand feet, Steve. And and I'll start off by just by asking you what what did we learn yesterday around the NFL? Well, it's so hard. You know, each year, week one. You know, it's kind of the overreaction Monday because, you know, let's say Seattle came out and looked like the best team in the NFL, which they probably still are, um, and some teams didn't play that well. You know, you have to remember, teams have had all offseason to prepare for week one, and you just don't know how teams are going to react. Week three is usually when you can kind of get a better gauge of, of how things are. But, you know, look, Denver came out, and they look like they're, they're the, the class of the AFC, which doesn't surprise Anyone? I don't think we saw that many surprises. You know, usually there's a, an upset or there's a, there's a team that wins where you're like, wow. Um, but I don't think we saw that many surprises. You know, I think Tennessee had you know had a convincing win, but I think Tennessee is going to be a better team. You know, I think Minnesota is going to be better. It won. I think Minnesota is going to be better than what a lot of us think. So again, you know, even though like Green Bay got blown out by Seattle, Green Bay is not going to lose many more games. Even though the Saints lost to Atlanta in a typical Saints-Falcons game, you know, the Saints are still going to be one of the best teams in the NFC. So I don't, I don't think it's panic time around the league or time to necessarily crown, you know, a team as a Super Bowl, you know, champion after week one. What about Patriots-Dolphins? That one struck, out of all of them, that one kind of struck me a little bit. And it, it shouldn't, though, because this is how, you know, when you look at how these teams play in Miami, mm-hmm. they're almost, these games are almost always like this. And, and I do think... But people forget that the Dolphins have a really good defense, especially when it comes to 
to getting after the quarterback. I mean, Cameron Wake is one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, and no one ever talks about this guy. He's averaged about 11, 12 sacks a year for the past five years. You know, Devier Posey, some of those guys they have in the middle, good players. They put a lot of pressure on Tom Brady. So, you know, that offense could not function. Teams also tend not to play well in Miami this time of year. And the Dolphins' home record this time of year tends to be pretty good because a lot of teams go down there, they feel that humidity and everything, and just don't necessarily play well. So I wasn't that surprised by it. Um, you know, after seeing the Patriots and, and Dolphins up close in training camp, I could sit here and say, wow, the Patriots look like world beaters. But you know what? They weren't playing a game. They weren't doing anything that mattered when I saw them. So um, no surprise right here. I think the Dolphins are a team worth watching. But, again, we're not going to overreact. Um, either way, to you know, to the one team that won, the one team that lost. All right, fair enough. Good point. Hey, let's go NFC South here for a moment. When I heard yesterday in the press box in Atlanta that Cam Newton was a no-go, um, and at Tampa Bay, another tough place to play this time of year, um, I thought there was no chance. Yet the Panthers beat the Buccaneers uh, despite getting out four, uh, scored in the fourth quarter. They ended up winning by six. So that one kind of caught my eye, I guess. I've been telling people, whoever, the, the two people who want to listen to me, <laughs> that the Carolina Panthers defense is going to keep them in contention all season long. And we know they've got issues on the offensive line. You know, they, they replaced, so, you know, they've, they've, I think, four or five new starters there. We know they have issues of wide receiver, but that defense, the depth and the way they get after it and the fact that they've improved the secondary – is going to give that team a chance to win. And they weren't playing an offense that was necessarily settled. Remember, the, the, the Buccaneers have gone through their own offensive line issues. And then the guy they brought in to help them the most, Logan Mankins, gets hurt. So doesn't surprise me. Derek Garris is a capable backup. He's not going to take him for, for 16 games. Um, but that offense is just good enough, kind of the strategy we saw that you know the Seahawks and a couple teams used last year, including the Panthers, just good enough to support a defense which is going to give them short fields and going to keep the other team out of the end zone. Steve Weich with the NFL Network with us here on the Black and Blue Report. All right, Steve, let's get to the game that you saw in the flesh yesterday. Dallas hosting San Francisco. What do you want to take away from that? Um, Well, first off, the biggest takeaway is that Jerry Jones, first off, he had to be happy that the stadium was full and there was some some money rolling through. But more than half of the people in attendance were wearing Niners red. Mm. It was the most stunning thing I've ever seen for a season opener. I mean, you go to some games at the end of the season, and, you know, the Packers fans will take over the stadium, you know, against a team that's, that's out of contention, or Steelers fans. It was amazing to see how many Cowboys fans gave up their seats to, to Niners fans. But then, you know, it was, it was an utter disaster for Dallas. And we all thought it was going to be – you know, Dallas's defense, that was going to be horrible. The defense kept that game halfway respectable. Tony Romo could not have been worse. And you can tell this is a guy playing like he feels he has to do everything. He made some awful throws, had three terrible interceptions, um, and there was really no reason. I don't know if he felt pressure because the offensive line did a pretty good job. He got sacked a few times. He just never looked comfortable. Um, DeMarco Murray was fantastic for the Cowboys. And their defense, you know, it was what it was. I mean, and that's – they weren't awful. Um, but San Francisco just didn't have that many snaps because, you know, Tony Romo was throwing picks. 
you know, deep in, you know, deep in 49ers territory or, or returns getting it there. So San Francisco, I mean, they only had four possessions in the first quarter and were up 21 to three. You know, when I say four possessions, four offensive snaps. So it's hard to gauge what the Niners are right now because Dallas did move the ball on them, especially with DeMarco Murray. Um, the Niners' offense was kind of all over the place. So that's a tough team to read right now. Um, I don't think Dallas will play that bad again offensively. It could, um, but it was just it was a colossal disaster from from the kick. I mean, the first play was a false start penalty, so they they just weren't ready, and it, and it just got worse throughout. Steve, you put your nose to it as good as anybody in the league, and I'm thinking back to training camp when you visited so many different camps. Was there somebody in camp that you said, mm, interesting? that carried over into the opening weekend of the regular season? I'm talking about an individual, not necessarily a team. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to say. I think some of the players I thought that were going to play well played well. I think Kelvin Benjamin played well uh, for the Carolina Panthers. Um, some of the players for the Patriots I thought would, would play well. Mark Ingram, you know, it's, it's just tough. You know, again, it's one week. But it's I didn't you know I, I haven't I didn't really get to see Sammy Watkins that much. He was an impressive player uh, for the Bills. You know I, I did not get to see him. Uh, so it was it's it's kind of a tough read to see because so many guys did well. I haven't been able to digest all of the games. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of that's kind of tough to say. Yeah. Okay. Maybe not. Maybe not the first of question. Maybe something we'll revisit later. Perhaps. Um, two more left on the weekend tonight. It's Giants, Lions, and Chargers, Cardinals. I know you're in transit, um, but at the same time, I'm curious as to whether or not you have a thought about either of these two games tonight. Well, I mean, the, I think everyone's the the Lions Giants team to me is intriguing because the Lions are a team no one's talking about, and they've got a lot of talent on that team. They've got a, a stable head coach, Jim Caldwell, you know, an even keeled guy. Whereas Jim Schwartz, their previous coach, was kind of a guy who was you know, really high and low temperamental-wise. And I want to see if Caldwell's personality um, kind of permeates through that locker room. Because the one thing we always heard is they got talent, but it needs to be harnessed. Can he harness it? And if he can, Detroit could be a dangerous team. On the flip side, you know, the Giants, you know, can that offense. I mean, they just they could not have looked worse in preseason. But how many times have we seen over the year teams just look absolutely got off in the preseason to come up play like gangbusters? So there's that. And then when it comes to Arizona, you know, I just – this is a team I was really high on, but they have lost the guts of their defensive front with Darnell Dockett, Daryl Washington, and Carlos Dansby. Uh, no longer there, of course. You know, Washington suspended, Dockett hurt, mm-hmm. Dansby now with Cleveland. I, I want to see if that defense can hold up. Um, offensively, they've got some tools uh, to do something. If Carson Palmer doesn't turn the ball over, you know, Michael Floyd, Larry Fitzgerald. Um, and they're playing a team in San Diego, which I think we're going to be talking about at the end of the season, probably are, are one of the most physical teams in the AFC, and that's why they give the Denver Broncos so much trouble. Nobody, you're right. Nobody talks about the Chargers. I don't know if it's because they're way out in beautiful San Diego or what, but you're right. Nobody talks about that team. They're, and they are a physical, physical football team at, at every level on both sides of the ball. So, and again, Phillip Rivers had an outstanding year last year. Mike McCoy doesn't get enough credit for for the job he did as head coach there, and they've got some they've got some players. And the fact that they addressed their secondary by getting a guy like Brandon Flowers from Kansas City, a really good cornerback, uh, that should help. 
Well, I'm going to try my best to stay up for that whole thing tonight, but it doesn't kick off till 10:20 Eastern, so we'll we'll see. <laughs> Arizona's favored only because they're at home, and the Lions are favored by six. Steve, uh, as always, I really appreciate the visit. Safe travels the rest of today, and and we'll hope to catch up with you maybe after the next weekend. Great, thanks for having me on. You bet, Steve White from the NFL Network with us here on the Black and Blue Report. We'll take you inside the Saints locker room right after this. Pelicans head coach Monty Williams, Anthony Davis, and your Pelicans have been working throughout the offseason to take this team to the next level. Ticket plans for the 2014-15 season are on sale now. There's a variety of packages for all fans, featuring half-season and 12-game options, including the ever-popular weekend plan that averages a couple of games a month. Packages start as low as $185. Visit pelicans.com or call 525-HOOP and take flight with your Pelicans today. Smoothie King asks, what's your purpose? My name is Trish, and I want more balance in my life. I feel like all I do is rush from one place to the next and end up grabbing a burger along the way. And then I feel guilty, and I start thinking, I need to spend an hour on the elliptical, but I don't have time. I want to eat better. I want to feel better. That's my purpose. We can blend that. Find your balance with the new Greek yogurt smoothies naturally powered by Chobani. Find pleasure in your purpose at Smoothie King. Thanks again to Steve White from the NFL Network for joining us on today's Black and Blue Report. As promised, I want to take you inside the Saints locker room and specifically yesterday's post-game locker room at the Georgia Dome in Atlanta and share with you some of the reaction following the 37-34 overtime loss to the Atlanta Falcons. First up, uh, this is uh, Kenny Vaccaro, Saints safety, speaking with us after yesterday's ball game. Tough loss. What, what, what comes to mind, top of mind, I mean, just minutes here after this is over? Uh, I mean, it was tough, but they're all like that. We knew that going into the game that uh, it was going to be one of those games where it comes down to the wire. So it wasn't nothing new for us, but we just got to finish, man. That was, uh, I don't know how many yards they had, over 500, but that was ridiculous. can't happen. When you look at the way that Ryan was able to escape, it seemed like all the time and extend plays, how did it affect your 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 all's ability to cover? Uh, I mean, you got to stay attached to him. Sometimes it's going to happen. And the main thing, I think, for me, honestly, is tackling, man. I've so we had so many missed tackles. I had so many that I missed more in this game than I did all of last year. So I just got to get that corrected in practice, but it'll get handled. Did that surprise you? Uh, yeah, I mean, easily. I mean, God, we're a good, we're a good tackling team. No leaky yardage, but uh, I don't know. We'll get it corrected. So. Was there anything that seemed different about Atlanta that maybe you all weren't expecting or that they executed better today than they have in the past? They executed well, but the addition of Devin Hester and uh, going 10 personnel, and taking the, the tight end out and uh, all that speed, that's a little bit different, but um, and we'll get adjusted. Emotion in this game, was there a lot because it goes down to those last few possessions? Yeah, definitely. I think everybody was beat up the whole game. Um, we got to, like I said, we got to finish. Not too far down from Kenny's locker was that of defensive captain Curtis Lofton. Uh, Lofton was uh, speaking to all the media following the loss and um, started off with a pretty obvious statement about the, how things went. We had a bad day. Um, won't make excuses. They came out and made plays. Uh, you know, one of the things that stood out, they got, they kept, uh, they stayed on the field on third down. We didn't get off the field on third down. We didn't tackle well, um, and then play great red zone defense. So when you have a combination of all three of those, um, then that's what the outcome's going to be. I saw you going around just telling all the guys you good, you good. I mean, and that's part of the process to make it only just one bad day. Well, really... at, at the end of the day, you know, we still got 
a lot of the season left. So this loss, I mean, yes, it hurts. You know, anytime you lose an overtime to a division opponent, you know, you know, it hurts like it hurts a lot. So, you know, I just went around, talked to the guys, told them to keep their heads up. You know, for me, this is, you know, one of those games I always want to win. So uh, losing it, it, it stings a little bit more. Specifically, I mean, with the, I mean, without watching film, but what did you see that they were able to do or what you guys weren't able to do? Well, at the end of the day, like I said earlier, they made plays. Like we had, we had calls, perfect calls called, and we just got to go out and make the plays. And they made them. So at the end of the day, got to get off the field on third down, got to play great red zone defense, and got to tackle well. If you do that, then, you know, you, you win the game. And we didn't do that today, so we lost. Credit goes to them, and uh, we'll be back on uh, Monday to get this thing fixed. Don't forget, Lofton got kind of banged up there in the first half, but came back into the ball game and did finish. Uh, and there seems to be no ill effect of what happened to him uh, there in the first half against Atlanta. Okay, on the offensive side of the football, uh, there was a lot of good things to talk about, certainly. Uh, scoring 34 points, uh, no problem there. And a somewhat balanced attack in a lot of ways. And a part of that running attack yesterday, which was multifaceted, of course, was Pierre Thomas. Thomas, uh, thoughts after the ball game? Unfortunately, a loss to the Falcons. When John and I talked to you the other day, you were quick to point out that it seems to be always a dogfight with these guys, and here it was again. Oh, yeah. I wasn't lying about when I said it was a dogfight. I mean, Coach put up the, the scores of the games in the past you've seen since 06. And you see every last one of those games, we either it was a close game, either a touchdown, we, was, we won by a touchdown, we lost by a touchdown, we won by three points, or we lost by three points. And you see you seeing the overall results in this game. So, I mean, we knew that it was, it was going to be a tough game. These guys going to come out here fighting, and we just had to, you know, do the same thing. I, I feel like we did a good job. What was the what was the feeling when it was twenty to seven there in the first half? You guys seemed to have good tempo and results early. I mean, we felt like we won the momentum. We had the momentum on our side. You know, we we felt like we had a chance to win this. We just got to put it away, and you know, we tried our best at doing that. You know, uh, we just got to go out there and we can't make mistakes. You know, we can't hurt ourselves putting ourselves in bad positions. If it's penalties, you know, uh, fumbling the ball, whatever it is, you know, we're all accountable. So we all know we all know what we got to do out there to uh, to seal this game. And I mean, it, it goes down to the wire. And it went into overtime. And I mean, these got to take your head off to these guys because they, they, they came ready to play. In, in your eyes, what, when did that momentum start to swing? When could you feel it on, on the sideline there? I mean, I, I felt like the momentum was still on our side. We just had to stick with it. And I mean, it showed, like, what type of team we have. No matter what, they, these guys scored. I'm, I'm in these guys' ears, and I just see it on their faces that they, this game wasn't over. You know, we still had a shot. I mean, when they went up, you know, we knew that this game wasn't over. We knew it was going to be a dogfight. It was going to be back and forth. And we, I'm, just, I'm just glad these guys responded. I'm just happy my teammates responded like the way they did. And it showed what type of character we have, what type of team we have. We have a team that's not going to give up no matter what. If they're up or we're up, we're going to continue to fight. And, and that's, what, that's what happened today. Tough moment there for uh, Marcus. Oh, yeah. I mean, things happen. I mean, you just got to be, you know, you got to be aware of all your surroundings. I mean, he, he's a great player. He knows that. I mean, he, he's just going to get better. And that's what he's he going to continue to do. He's going to get better. I mean, some, not everybody has a good game. I mean, you just got to learn how to put it behind you. This is the first game of the season. It's a long season. We got plenty more games. You just got to let that one go and just move forward. Does the first game, the fact that the first game, make it easier to stomach a little bit because you know there's 15 more behind it? Oh, definitely. I mean, you want to come in the game. You want to start the season off right. You want to get a W. If you don't, I mean, you like you said, you got a long season ahead. You you see what type of team we have. I mean, you see what type of team you have, and I've seen guys fighting. 
I seen guys not giving up. You know, no matter what the score was, it was up and down. You know, into the third quarter, fourth quarter. And I mean, I just see guys fighting, fighting, fighting. You know, and doing the best job they can to get that W. And I mean, that's what you want in your, your teammates. And I mean, that, that type of team I see. You know, you 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 start off a little rough in the beginning, but. Things turn right around. I think things going to turn right around starting next week. You've been a part of this rivalry for a long time, Pierre. Uh, recent domination by the Saints, more dominant against this team than any team in the NFC South. Has the pendulum at all swung back in the Falcons' direction off what you saw today? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean they played a good game. They played a good game. I mean, it, they, they're a tough team. We knew they was going to be tough, but... We was ready for him. We was prepared for him, and we're going to be prepared again next time we see him later down in the season. So that's just a sample of some of the stuff from the locker room yesterday. Uh, earlier today here at the uh, headquarters, uh, I slipped into the Saints locker room this morning and had a chance to talk to Akeem Hicks and Josh Hill about a number of different topics, some of it about yesterday's loss to Atlanta, some of it looking forward to Cleveland, but then other topics as well. We're going to share with those with you tomorrow on the Black and Blue Report. All right, so we're going to wrap up this Monday in just a moment. Stay with us for a couple of uh, items of notes. Back in just a moment. At the Auctioner Hospital for Children, no matter where you turn, you're surrounded by bravery. Children and teens dealing with health problems beyond their years. Parents working hard to keep the worry from their face. Doctors and nurses doing everything possible to get them back home, where they belong. From rare brain tumors and leukemia to heart conditions and organ transplants, we offer a level of pediatric care unmatched in Louisiana. With more advanced capabilities than any other children's hospital in the region, even our kids-only ER can handle any pediatric emergency. In fact, the only thing tougher than the problems we see every day are the kids themselves. Choose the Auctioner Hospital for Children and never wonder if you could have done more. Call 866-AUCTIONER to find an affiliated pediatrician near you. Auctioner. Healthcare with peace of mind. Everything you need to know about the Saints and Pelicans is right here on the Black and Blue Report. Sean Payton's uh, Monday morning press conference is yours at NewOrleansSaints.com. Of course, that is uh, streamed live to you on Mondays and then, of course, archived on the website. You can catch it also on the Saints mobile app. Tomorrow on the Black and Blue Report, as we mentioned just a moment ago, Akeem Hicks and Josh Hill. We'll see who else stops by on a Tuesday edition. The Saints are dark tomorrow, so no media availability. It's the, uh, it's the off day in the NFL and uh, tomorrow we'll also recap the Monday night football games. There's two of them tonight. You can feast away tonight. As we had talked about with Steve White from the NFL Network, you've got Giants and Lions tonight and then Chargers and Cardinals. I think two pretty interesting games. We'll see how they play out, and that will put a wrap on week one in the regular season. So we'll look back on that tomorrow as well. Thanks again to Steve White, John DeShazer as well for stopping by, and uh, uh, thanks to you as well. Let's put the Falcons game behind us, folks, and uh, get set for the Cleveland Browns this week. And we'll start to turn our attention to that with tomorrow's program as well. Daniel Salerson is our producer uh, here in Studio B. I'm Sean Kelly. Don't forget to follow on Twitter at Black Blue Reports or at D Salerson, or you can follow me personally if you like, at Sean Kelly Live. We'll see you right here next time on the Black and Blue Report. 
Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.